0: Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Fear is kind of a weird thing to talk about on Valentine's Day, right? Some of you came here on dates. I saw you dressed up, looking good. You maybe hit the keg before you came here or something like that. Fear is maybe kind of a strange thing to talk about. But let's be honest single people, dating people, engaged people, married people, relationships are scary. Like, that's a scary proposition. The person that you're going to wake up every single day for the rest of your life with. The person that maybe one day you're going to go into the hospital baby delivery room with. Raise a family with. The person that maybe one day you might have to fight cancer with. It's, that's scary. It's a scary proposition of who that person is going to be. So I know it might seem odd, but, but I just, I feel called to tell you tonight that you do not need to be scared about your relationships. You don't. If you have the right priorities in them, you don't need fear in that area of your life. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. It's Valentine's Day. You probably saw this coming, but we're going to talk about relationships tonight. Um, it's absolutely one of the biggest fears, but, but we're going to talk about it. Anyone down to talk about relationships tonight? Yes? Come on. Let me just know you're out there. It's very dark. We, we keep it dark in here. You're there. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, we're going to talk about relationships tonight and, um, where are my single people in the room? Let me see your hands up. I didn't ask you to make noise. I just said, put your hands up. You do that every time you are very, very single. Well, tonight, (laughs) what a nice thing for a pastor to say on Valentine's day tonight, we're going to get serious about relationships. And we're going we're gonna to get past all the games. Who knows about the relationship games? Yeah? Anybody been a part of those games ever before? I'm not saying you did it, but, you know, you've been a part of it, you know? The games that people play. Um, I heard one girl say something the other week. It was so cheesy, but it was pretty good. She said, I am done with the players. I want the prayers. I was like, all right, sis, that's good. It's a little cheesy, but I can, I can work with that. That's good. Done with the players ready for the prayers, the people who pray, the prayers, those of you who didn't get it back in that corner. Um, yeah, I'll stay over here. I like y'all better. But the game, honestly, the relationship game, the dating game is a scary thing. It was scary 50 years ago, and it's very scary now. Uh, 2023 is, is crazy. Um, and the point of the whole relationship game, if we want to call it that, the dating, the courting, is what? It's to get to the end. I was very blessed in that area in that I have been batting 1,000 in my life. What I mean by that is I only ever asked one girl out. I only ever dated one girl. She's sitting right here in the front row. Her name is Lindsay. She's holding Baby Maverick right now. He's wearing a shirt. I don't know if you can show them to the people, Lindsay. I do have some beef with her, though. Um, the shirt says, Mama is my Valentine. <laughs> so... Uh, I guess Maverick's your Valentine now, huh? Not, not me. That's, that's cool. That's cool. I'm kidding. She's been very good to me. But um, it's scary out there dating. Those of you who made a lot of noise single, it's a scary world out there. Why? Because there are these things called apps now. You know what I'm talking about? Apps. And there are these people called serial killers, right? And the combination of the two never was supposed to happen, right? Like apps and serial killers. It is how you immediately end up on a Netflix documentary. So I do not want any of you to end up in that documentary, which is why I feel called to talk to you about this tonight. And there's so much I want to share with you that that I think can really help you with these games, right? So so many of you said you want to be done. Who here wants the real thing when it comes to love? The real thing? Is that your motivation? R-E-A-L, the real thing? You know, not the R-E-E-L thing that we have today? right the real thing not what the world shows you that love is what hollywood shows you that love is but the real thing the word of god tells us that love is that's what we're going to talk about tonight cuz see real r e e l love that that can be sexy for about 30 seconds i said that word and y'all got so awkward over here i felt it but i want to talk about something that's sexy for 30 plus years you know the real type of love the type of love that takes you all the way to the seniors home that's the type of love that I wanted, and I hope that's the type of love that you're after, that that's, that that's your motivation. So we're going to talk about that love tonight. And um, who here is married? Let me see your hands. Put them up. All right, who here is with their husband or wife that's married here? Good, good for you. Wow, okay. Would you do me keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Cool. Look to your husband or your wife and say, game over. I didn't hear you look look at them you can put your hand down now look at them and say game over married people are quiet you notice that single people are loud and trying to get noticed and say game over that was good married people now look back at them one more time and say guess what you won because you got me right not me your husband or your wife okay you won the game The game is over. The the relationship games are done. You won. That's the title of my sermon tonight. Game over. Okay? Game over. This is the point where all y'all single people, dating people are trying to get to the point where the games are over. And you got a lifelong commitment because that's what marriage really is. You got a lifetime companion that has your back when times are good, when times are bad, in sickness or in health, as they say at the altar. That's the type of winning that I want to talk about. So now, who here uh, is here with their boyfriend or girlfriend? Let me see some hands. Come on. Yeah? Most of them went out for dinner tonight instead of coming. That's cool. You're you're trying to impress her. I get it, man. That's cool. Um, Would you look at them and say, let's finish this game. Okay. Now if you're the girl, let's make it worse. Raise your left hand and show them that one finger that's just, you know, looking so good like it needs something on it like you know white gold yellow gold we don't really care just just something something there all the guys are gonna have to forgive me um I got you in some hot water if it's your first date maybe don't go that far okay but the goal of dating and courting is what to get to game over right to get to marriage okay game over makes it sound like it's really morbid and terrible but it's not it's great okay we're gonna we're gonna talk about that later on That's the goal of the game. Okay, now, if you're single, get ready. If you're single, where are my single people at? Put your hands up. Clap your hands and make a real loud noise. Come on, louder than that? All right, cool. Cool, you can stop. Now look around and just see if somebody cute maybe noticed you, you know? Make some eye contact, look around, you know, see if somebody... Maybe next Valentine's Day at the River, you'll be in uh, one of those other categories that we talked about. Cool. So you say you want the games to be over. Why don't we stop playing games and let's get serious about this, all right? Because I've been doing that with you. I've been playing games. You say you want that game over kind of love, that lifetime kind of love, not that 30-day, but that 30-plus-year kind of love. So that's, that's the thing I want to talk about. And, man, the church has made talking about relationships so weird, the church has just made it very, very weird, right? And, and we can't just blame the church. Like, we, we've made it weird. Because we got guys that say things like this. The Holy Spirit told me that you would one day be my wife. It's like the first thing he says to her. Not like, hello, or anything else. How do you think she's going to receive that? First of all, the Holy Spirit can talk to multiple people at the same time. There's something called confirmation, Right? So we got guys doing that, but, but girls, don't get all judgy, because you got some things too. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just dating Jesus right now. It's a season where I'm dating Christ the Lord, and, and I just, you know, and that's on Friday night, and then that guy, he sees you on Saturday, and you're dating some guy named Chad. He's like, that's not Jesus. He's got good hair, but that's not, that's not Jesus. That's Chad. What's she talking about? Yeah, see, we got games. We've, we've made it kind of weird, um, definitely. So tonight, let's get past all that. Let's end all that. Let's get to that lifetime love, that commitment. Here's how we're going to do it, all right? We got a lot of ground to cover, so I'm going to talk fast. But this is, for those of you who are looking for that game over, end game kind of love, three things that we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to break every rule of preaching and give you my three points right up front. One, we're going to define the question of this. What are you actually looking for? Because I think half of the people who struggle finding a spouse, a God-fearing, God-honoring spouse, half the time is because they're not looking for the right thing. So we're going to talk about what are you actually looking for. And then we're going to talk about how do you find that in 2023 when it's crazy times. How do you go about finding that person? And then maybe most importantly, point three, we're going to talk about this. And married people, listen up. This is for you. How do you keep that person? Because it's not good enough just to find the person that God has for you. you got to keep them, right? Like, the work is not done at I do. Where are my married people at? You can testify to that? Is the work done at I do? Uh Uh-uh. There's more work that comes after that. So those are the three things that we're going to talk about tonight. And, look, my wife and I, we've done premarital counseling for our church for eight years, Lindsay, nine years, long time. We have a passion for this because, guys, there is so much power when you are a couple that honors God, that keeps him on the throne of your marriage, that keeps him intimately involved. There is so much power in that and the devil hates that. So he comes for it and he attacks it. And society today has told you that marriage is no longer the route to go. That marriage isn't sexy anymore. That that's not the end goal. That you can go other ways. But I'm here tonight to tell you that marriage is still really, really stinking awesome. It's, it's awesome. It is the best way to win the game. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. Let's dive in. Number one, what are you looking for? That's the first thing. What are you actually looking for? And, you know, I've asked that question to a lot of people when we start premarital counseling. And one time I had this girl, I'm not kidding. The first part's true. She said "She said this, well, you know, I'm just, I'm in a Ruth season. I'm gleaning through the fields. I'm obeying my parents' And, you know, I'm just gleaning and honoring God and keeping my eyes open for Boaz. You know, I may see him in the distance, but I knew her pretty well. And I was like, hold up a second, sister. Um, you're saying you're looking for Boaz. But three months ago, you were dating this guy named Broke-Az. And then, and then after that, you were dating this guy named Cheap-Az. A-Z, A-Z, right? And then after that, this is the worst. You're dating that guy named Cheating Az. And it just keeps getting worse and it keeps getting worse. Like, like, hold on a second. What are you looking for? Are you sure you're looking for Boaz? Because last time I checked, Boaz wasn't doing those things. Someone's laughing here. Thank you. It works sometimes, that joke. Um, what are you looking for? That's, that's where we need to start. What is the first thing? What are you looking for? Here's, here's, I want to make it real simple and speak real plain to you tonight. Are you looking for a smoking hot body or are you looking for a God-fearing man or woman? Right? Really? I mean, let's just get right to the brass tacks of it. What are you actually looking for? Are you looking for physical attraction or are you looking for a lifetime companion? Because the two things are not the same, my friends. We're going to get right to it tonight. They're not the same. Let me tell you, look, I am beyond taken. Like, I am so far off the market, I I am locked down, and I could not be happier about it, okay? I have the most amazing, incredible wife who is right up here. But when I was on the market many years ago, 12 years ago, to be exact, I don't know, I don't like doing this. But maybe, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, I think mm, I was probably like a six point seven, eight, depending on the outfit. Maybe like a 10 because I'm super pale. Like, you know, if I had that, maybe get up to a seven. That's, that's kind of where I put myself, you know, in that physical range. Somehow, God blessed me with a perfect 10 out of 10 sitting right here. Yeah. I still don't understand it. I don't know how. I don't know why he did that. I guess God just really loves me. And we have been together for 12 plus years. We've been married for eight, coming up on nine years. Um, so those of you who are saying put a ring on it, it took me three and a half years, so... You don't feel any pressure. Um, God really loves me. He, he, he blessed me with a girl who is absolutely beautiful, and she's still a perfect 10 today. She's still beautiful. She's had a baby, um, and she's still gorgeous. She's still a 10 out of 10. I truly believe that. But let me get honest with you. Her appearance, those ratings, which are so stupid, by the way, her appearance is, is one of the least things that I find attractive now. Even though I, she's a 10 out of 10, she's gorgeous by all, all objective standards, in my opinion. That's not the thing that attracts me to her. You know why? Because do you know what that woman has done for me? Like, do you know the sacrifice that she has had? Like, when I couldn't walk for six months and she would bathe me, TMI, right? That's gross. When she would push my wheelchair around, You know, like, the sacrifice, the support, the encouragement, the confidence that she has given me, and I'm not trying to make this about me and Lindsay and just praise her all tonight, but what I'm trying to tell you is that you get years down the road, those types of things are the things that you find attractive, okay? Not a six pack of abs, not great legs or anything else that this world tells you that you should look for. Those are the types of things that really matter when you get years down the road. So the question is, what are you actually looking for? Because this world now has it completely twisted. I talked about apps earlier. Goodness gracious. Swipe left. Swipe right. I don't know. What do you swipe up now? Swipe down? I don't know what it is. But there's a whole lot of swiping going on, which sounds gross, to be honest. Um, But the world has it so twisted because all of our starting points for dating or finding someone is based off of attraction. And whether you think that they're physically beautiful or physically handsome, you know, that is so messed up. And that robs you of the actual important things. See, when you are swiping left or right, you have no idea from a picture if that person is going to stand by you through thick or thin. If that person is going to be there when you're sick. If that person is going to be there when you're broke, when you lose everything. You have no idea when you're just swiping looking at a picture. You have no idea if that person is going to put God first in your home when you have kids. Raise them up right? You have no idea if that person is going to honor and respect your family. You have no idea if they're going to deny themselves to everyone else but you. You have no idea from a picture. And here's the thing about pictures on those apps, most of them are photoshopped and fake anyway, and it's not actually how that person looks and then you find that out when you actually get on the date. We have eliminated guys in dating all the things that really matter. And we just look so purely at the outside. We say things like this. I hear it. Christians talk about this all the time. I I did it one day. You know, he's really nice, but I'm just not physically attracted to him. She's really nice, but I'm just not physically attracted to her. Find the scripture verse where that is in the Bible and tell it to me. Where is it? This is not popular preaching. This is not what you meant to come here on Valentine's Day. It's not in the Bible. You won't find it. Guys, bodies change, okay? Bodies change. And if you're looking for that game over kind of love, that love that goes on forever, if that's the thing that you're looking for is a body, it's going to change, right? And then your game is going to be over one day. So, So that can't be the thing that we look for. That cannot be the number one filter that you put on. I'm not saying it can't enter the equation, but that can't be your number one filter when you're filtering through people who might be your lifetime spouse. That can't be it. That's what we do. That can't be it. Look, I, there's some people that are make statements like this. I won't date a guy unless he's six foot two. Won't do it. Sister, you're 40. You should probably take a 5'11 guy by now. It's still fine. 5'11 is tall enough, right? Like, we have rules like that, not to just to pick on girls. I have a friend who's a guy, this is a true story, I won't say his name, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't. Do we live stream these now? No, we put them online? Maybe I shouldn't, I'm just to do it anyway. I have a friend, I won't say his name. This guy, he's my age, so he's not super young anymore, He's still single, he will not even talk to a girl unless she looks like a supermodel. I mean, he would, zero interest, she could be the nicest, she could be the richest, you know, whatever, right? Not that that should be your metric. He will not even talk to her unless she looks like a supermodel. And, and he complains to me all the time about how lonely he is and how he just wishes that he could find someone. Man, it's so hard to find people these days. I'm like, bro, can I be real with you for a minute? You do not look like Brad Pitt, okay? Like, you're looking for Angelina all the time, and, but you're not Brad, dude, and you're getting older, okay? So maybe we should look at things some, some things that actually matter, like the heart, you know what I'm saying? Are Brad Pitt and Angelina still together? Is that a thing? No? I don't know. A grocery store checkout line is like the context of my social knowledge. Um, see, that didn't even work out. So, so that's, that's, that's not good. That's not the things you look for. The Bible, let's get to that. The Bible, when talking about appearance and judging appearance, put it this way. There was a prophet named Samuel, and he was called by God to pick the next king of Israel after Saul. This is a period of 400 years of the judges, no king. And then Saul is the king. And now it's going to be the next king. And he's called to go to a house, the house of Jesse, and and to pick one of his sons. And and God tells him to anoint and pick David as king. And Samuel's like, what? What are you talking about? And, And what does Samuel do? He starts to talk about the physical appearance, right? And what does God do? He stops him in his tracks. and He says, no, 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 no. Samuel, see, you people, you judge by the outward appearance. I judge by the what? The heart, right? That's not in the context of marriage, but that's how God picks people. Maybe it's how we should pick our spouse, right? Not just by how they look, how tall they are, you know, how successful they are, but the heart, what's actually in here. Look, how do you find out what's in their heart? Here's what you look at. This is not my sermon, but I could preach a whole sermon on this. You look at the patterns in their life, and more importantly than that, you look at their priorities. Because nobody's perfect, okay? They're gonna mess up. They're going to have problems. You're not going to find that perfect spouse. But look at their patterns and look at their priorities. Look what means the most to them. And if their patterns are continuously out of whack and they have the wrong priorities, that's not a yellow flag. That's a red flag. That's a stop and move on. Patterns and priorities is how you find out someone's heart. And it takes time. That's how we, why we have to date. That's why the game exists. That's why you have to court. That's why you have it. But that's the thing that we need to look for. So the question is, what are you actually looking for? Are you looking at appearance or are you looking at heart? And a lot of people get hung up there. But here's another one when, when talking about what, what are we looking for, for all my single friends in the room or those that are dating. If you are looking for your purpose or your fulfillment, you are not going to find it in a spouse. Hard preaching tonight. Pin drop in here. If you are looking to be made whole and to feel fulfilled and to find your purpose in life, you are not going to find it in another person. You are only going to find it in a person named Jesus Christ. A God named Jesus Christ. It's the only place you're going to find it. I talk to you all the time about it. Until Jesus Christ is enough for you, No person, place, or thing ever will be. Why is that important in the context of what are you looking for? Because sometimes, you know, you're not shallow. You don't look at the body. That's not your problem. But you're looking for your spouse to do more for you than your spouse was ever designed to do. Your spouse cannot get you into heaven. Your spouse cannot make you feel fulfilled and have purpose. And when you put that pressure on them, that's not fair. That's brutal because the best spouse will let you down. I try to be a good spouse, but I let Lindsay down. I know I do. There are times that I do it, but that's not my place to be her purpose or to give her fulfillment. I can certainly help and I can encourage in those areas, but that's not my place. And I think as single Christians, sometimes we do that. And we date someone and, you know, we're still not feeling fulfilled. Sometimes we got to check not just the horizontal relationship, but the vertical relationship. You know what I'm saying? we got to have that relationship first before we can have this relationship. So sometimes you got to back up and maybe even, as corny as it sounded, date Jesus for a little while. Right? Get that vertical before we try to go horizontal. Okay, so that was point one. If you're seeking the right thing, if you're not trying to put that spouse on a pedestal where only God should be, if you're looking for the right thing, here's the second question because I told you there was three. We're in there. The second one how do you find it good question pastor okay i'm looking for the right thing now i'm not looking at the outward appearance i want the heart i want the real thing how do i find it okay and i'm not going to get practical with you and tell you the name of an app all right because i don't know i've been out of the game for 12 years like i said i don't know but here's what i can tell you and i promise this will be of more worth to you than any app that there is out there any community gathering any social thing here it is When we do our premarital counseling, when we meet single people, the question that I always get is, Pastor, how do I know that I'm marrying the right person? How do I know if this person is the right person? Fair question, right? You're going to wake up next to him every day? Fair question. What I want to pose to you tonight is there's actually a better question than that that you should be asking. Not what if I marry the wrong person. What if you're the wrong person? What if you become the wrong person for someone else? I know that's hard, but what if? That's a whole lot worse. See, all of our search in looking to find that person is always focused on them and never on us. But what I came to tell you tonight is that if you can flip that around... And if you can focus on yourself, and if you can get yourself to the, to the, to the position that you need to be in to meet and be, be honoring and, and be ready for your dream girl or for your dream guy, God will then give it to you. But you got to get there. You got to work. It's not, it's not like, like a, a word search. And they're just out there and you just got to keep looking around until you find them. That's not how it works. There are a lot of people in the world, like seven plus billion now. That's not how it works. How it works is that when you work on yourself and you get yourself to the position where, where God can now trust you with that man or woman that he has for you, he will then give it to you. Yeah, you can clap him for that. Those of you who are married, you should be clapping for that because that's what you did and now God gave that person to you. Right? It doesn't mean it's gonna be easy and it's smooth sailing, but become the type of man or the type of woman that is worthy of your dream girl or your dream guy. And guess what? God will give it to you. Okay. So how do you find them? That's that's how you find them. Okay. And I have an image that I want to show you that we use when we're teaching that's gonna come up on the screen. If you're trying to find a wife, the world tells you go straight there and look, but that's not the path. Go to God, God will find you that wife. And bring that wife to you. That's what I mean when you got to go vertical. Not just go horizontal. It's not about getting a better app. Or getting more friends so you can meet more people. It's about getting right with God. That's what it's actually about. Because when you get there, look what he does. He does that. Husband or wife. Doesn't matter. That's the process. That's what happens. And here's the best part of that. The best part. If you find them on your own. If you go direct in that line, now you need to keep them on your own. And good luck with that. It's hard to keep somebody, especially if they're your dream. But if God brings them to you, guess what will happen? He will keep them for you if you keep honoring them. This is hard preaching, so I appreciate you clapping. The goal isn't one date. The goal is one lifetime. That's how you get there. Okay? The straight line on the side, you can get one date doing that, no problem. But I know there's some people here who are tired of the one dates. They want the one life. They're done with the one date. I'm telling you, this is the way to do. it. It, it, And it's nothing profound from Ryan McVitie. It's in Matthew chapter 6. If you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, what? What will be added? All will be added. And last time I checked... God designed marriage. He did it in the garden with Adam and Eve. And the very first commandment in the whole Bible is to be fruitful and multiply. So, so he wants you to have a spouse. He wants you to be married. So what are we to think that all doesn't include that? It absolutely does. If we will seek first him, the all will include that. So that's number two. That's how you find it. I don't know what app you go on. I know what God you go to. That's how you find that person, okay? And you trust that he will give that person to you in the right time. And that's the frustrating part because our timeline and God's timeline is not necessarily the same. And, And that, look, some of you have been looking for a long time and I'm not trying to get up here and confront you and say you've been doing something wrong for many, many years. God's timing and our timing doesn't necessarily all align. But if you're looking for the right thing and you're going to the right source, God will provide that thing for you. So now number three, my last point to you and the most important one, because finding them doesn't matter if you can't keep them. How do you keep them? There are some of you in here tonight that are engaged. There's quite a few of you. I know it because I get to see you all when you come in the door. I learn your stories that, that are engaged. This, you better listen. Those of you who are married, you better listen. I've been learning this. I know it's only eight years. Some of you have been married for 50 years, but I've been learning this, and, and sometimes I learn the easy way, sometimes I learn the hard way. But how you keep them is what is of the most importance. So, if you want game over, if you want that lifetime love, the first thing you do is you make that lifetime commitment. You say, I do, right? For better or for worse, in richer and poor, for sickness or for health. I could recite the whole thing to you. I've done a lot of weddings. <laughs> you say, I do, right? And the game might be over at that point, my cute little title, but the fight is not over at that point. That's not where the fight stops that I do. The honeymoon is great. You get back from the honeymoon, and guess what happens? The fight. It starts happening. It start hap- ha- starts happening with each other. It starts happening with your mother-in-law. It, start- it starts happening with a whole lot of people. The fight begins, and guess what? It doesn't stop. Do you know why it doesn't stop? Because the devil hates nothing more than a married couple serving God together. The devil hates nothing more than that. Let me show you why with this graphic. When you're moving towards God together as a couple, look what happens. Not only do you get closer to him, you get closer to each other. And you you become a powerful source for change in this world. You become a powerful source place for the holy spirit to dwell and for change to happen in the lives of other people and and you start doing great things and you start supporting each other and loving on people and the devil can't handle that the devil needs you in isolation because when you are in isolation you will be in fear and when you're in fear you will make bad decisions that's his process that he wants to take you on when you're in that you're not in isolation and you're not in fear So he can't have that. So the fight keeps coming after I do. The game's over, but the fight keeps coming. Y'all, I tell this to every couple. So does Lindsay when we counsel them. Marriage is the service industry. What is the service industry? You go to a restaurant, a server comes and gives you food. You go to a hotel, someone in the service industry cleans your room, cleans the bathroom, makes the bed. Marriage is the service industry. This world today teaches it completely different. This world teaches you that marriage is for you. Guys, marriage is not for you. Marriage is for the two of you. Okay, you're a part of that. But marriage is for the two of you. It's not for you. And this world wants you to believe the lie that marriage is just meant to serve you. And then something happens. It doesn't serve you anymore. Why should I keep it? If, if there's no purpose. And that's why divorce rates are at the highest that we've ever seen them in the history of Western culture. That's why, because of that perspective shift. I like to teach it like this. Who has ever moved a couch? Let me see some hands. Make sure you're still awake. Okay, I hate moving. It's the worst, okay? I generally hate physical labor as well. Um, I hate moving couches. Moving couches is very, very hard. But with two people, moving a couch is possible. With one person, moving a couch is impossible. You can't do it. So I like to teach marriage like moving a couch. If only one person is working on it while the other one is texting on their phone laughing while you're trying to lift that couch up the staircase, do you know how that feels? It's terrible, and it's impossible to move the couch. Marriage takes two. It takes the work of two people. But when you're a Christian and you get involved in marriage, we're almost done. We're going to get back to worship in a moment. It gets even better than just two people. Because there isn't just two individuals working on your relationship. There's three. There's three. And it's put so beautiful in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is going to come up on the screen. Chapter 4, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered. Yeah, that couch by yourself, you're going to get overpowered. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Because remember, your fight's not done. Two can defend themselves. But a cord of three strands... ...is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is strong. What Ecclesiastes is talking about... ...is that there is another individual in your marriage... ...and his name is the Holy Spirit. And if you will keep him there... ...it will not be easily broken. And it doesn't have to start a marriage. That can start while you're dating. It's a different type of commitment... ...but when you're dating... ...you still need the Holy Spirit there. You still need God on the throne. See, that is the best news as believers, guys is that we don't have to do it with just the two of us. We can do it with the one who can defeat any army, the one who is undefeated 999,000 times and oh, He is fighting on our side in our relationships if we will keep him there. That's the key, and that's the biblical model of marriage, that it's not just two people, it's three people. And I'm going to go through this fast because some of y'all aren't going to like it, but it's the Word of God. The Bible defines the roles of the husband and the wife. And it defines the roles of this three-strand cord that I'm showing you as a triangle Triangle tonight. It teaches us those roles. The first role is God. We know what he does. He's our protector. He's our defender. He's our savior. He's our redeemer. When we mess up in relationship, he redeems us. And most importantly, he's still our Lord. So we have to serve him when we're in relationships. But it goes farther. It talks about the role of the wife. Ephesians 5. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This is 2023. Easy there, bro. Pastor bro. Submit. That's, uh, you know, that doesn't sound very sexy in 2023. Okay? Us men, we would love to preach that verse. <laughs> Look how quick. We have a female uh, pro presenter operator. Look how quick she got it down. Can you put it back up for a second? <laughs> Ephesians 5, <22. laughs> Thank you. She's like, get that junk out of here. The word of God's not junk. Um, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord us men we would love to preach this submit to me woman as you submit to the Lord let me tell you something it's true because it's in the word of God but just because God said it doesn't mean you gotta say it you will be submitting to that couch I was talking about for about five nights in a row if this is the path that you take Lindsay's head is like a bobblehead right now right but guys here's the thing you be careful when you start quoting the Word of God to a woman of God, because one thing I've learned about women of God is they know their Scripture. See, so you might bring verse 22, which is true. Okay, women have to submit to their husband. That's that's the truth. Okay, but there's a verse called verse 25 that says something else. She put it up on the screen quick. I figured that. Husbands love your wives. That sounds cute. Oh, they just have to love. I have to submit. Hold on a second. Husbands love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Do you know what Christ did for the church? He died on a cross, being tortured and suffocated. Husbands, that's what you got to do. That's what I got to do. Submission, thats ain't nothing but a thing. We got to die. That's a lot of sacrifice. Put the triangle back up. Get that thing down. God has a rule, the husband has a rule, the wife has a rule. The Bible tells us about it, okay? And context when you're reading the Bible is everything. I won't go on about this, but I teach this all the time. Even the word context, C-O-N-T-E-X-T. You take the text out of context, what are you left with? A con, someone's thinking, right? You pick and choose the word of God and just cut things off, it's a problem. You always need the context of the entire scripture. See, people now today in 2023 will say the Bible's chauvinistic. And your Bible treats women terrible as chauvinistic. The Bible's not chauvinistic. Genesis 2, 27, you have it? Put it up on the screen. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. If he created male and female in his image, that means male and female all have worth. All have Dignity: All have equal worth and equal dignity. Women, where are you at? <laughs> Thought I'd get an applause for that. And look, it's more than that in the garden. you know, when women, you weren't an afterthought in the garden. Yeah, he'd used something from Adam, but he could have used a foot. He could have used a head. He used a rib. You know why? Because a rib is on the side? Equal. A rib protects that which is what is important, your heart. Right? He used a rib. Everything God does has a meaning and a purpose to teach us. So husbands, if you want to keep your wives, don't go around acting like you're superior to them. Seriously, I've tried it. It doesn't work well. That's not a way to keep them, and it's also not what the Bible teaches. So we both have to work. We both have to submit. We both have to sacrifice. We have to love at our own expense if we want to keep that dream girl, that dream that dream. Guy that God has for us—that's what this process is. This this three strand cord. We got to keep God in it. We can't kick Him out. Lastly, the last thing we need to do to keep a spouse is we have to do the things that we did at first. And it's Valentine's Day today. If you didn't buy your girl and your married flowers, you didn't even get her a card. You didn't take her on a date. You took her to the river because it's free. I'm just kidding, because it honors God. You did the right thing. You got to do the things that you did at first, guys. What am I talking about? It's actually in the Bible. Let me, let me teach it to you this way. The Bible puts it this way in Revelation chapter 2. John, the Re- Re- revelator, giving, giving the word of God, talks to the church in Ephesus. The prized church in Ephesus is 30 years After he's left that church and he's checking in on them to see how they're doing. I'm paraphrasing because I want to get us back to worship. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, it's going to come up on the screen. Yet I hold this against you to the church. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Why am I showing you a Bible verse about church and saying it's about marriage? Because the church is the bride of Christ. And if you want to learn how you're going to treat your bride, look how Christ treated the church. That's a great example of where you can look. And what he's saying, if you go back, and we'll read them to you now. He's saying you've gotten really good at pointing out flaws for 30 years. Some of us married have been doing that. You've gotten really good at routines. You've gotten really good at rules. You've gotten really good at roles, but you have forsaken the love that you have had at first. So if you want to keep her, you got to go back to the things you did at first. When you were dating and just trying to, trying to get that person to say yes to you, any time you could get with them, you would take. Right? When you were dating, you just wanted to get in their presence. You just wanted to buy them presents. You even did things called PDA. Anyone know what PDA is? Public displays of affection. Because you wanted everyone knowing that she was your girl. Or that he was your guy. We can't give up on those things, y'all. Just because we've been married and we have kids and we have other hard things that we got to deal with. Yeah, it's true you serve in other ways after you get married. That's true in, in providing and in working. But we can't forsake the things that we did at first. In conclusion, because we're going to go back to worship in a minute. Divorce, guys, is at an all-time high. Higher than ever. And COVID has made it worse. You get trapped in a house with someone for two years. (laughs) Poor Lindsay. It was like four months. She saw me every minute. It's made it worse. It's uncovered problems that relationships have had that have been swept under the rug, and that's a dangerous practice when you just keep sweeping things under the rug instead of taking them up to the one who can actually deal with them. Divorce is at an all-time high, and if you look at the statistics, the reasons for it are reasons like this. Sex, lying, cheating, money problems, and it's not usually being broke. It's, it's fighting over money, the stress of money, things being expensive today. Those are all real reasons why marriages fall apart, but let me tell you something about those things. Those things are just symptoms. Those things are not the actual cause. They're just symptoms. The Word of God and God when He wrote it loves you so so much that he does not want to just deal with your symptoms a doctor can deal with your symptoms a counselor can deal with your symptoms a psychologist can deal with your symptoms and you should go to them because you can't ignore symptoms they just get worse but the word of God wants to get to the cause to the root cause of the problem what causes those things that that statistically keep breaking up marriages I want to show you what it is In a minute, I'm going to show you a graphic, but first I'm going to tell you. It's not that. It's not sex. It's not cheating. It's not money problems. It's not lying. It ultimately ends up being that. But something happens first every single time. Every time. In a Christian marriage, this is always what happens. It's also what happens in a non-Christian marriage. Because truthfully, there's no such thing as a non-Christian marriage. It was created by God. But this is always what happens. I'm going to show it to you with a graphic right now. It's okay. You're cool, bro. Stay there. This is always what happens. The three strand that cannot quickly be broken becomes two. Because someone, not always the husband, sometimes the wife, someone stops keeping God on the throne of their life. Someone starts doing that. And then you trade your triangle, which gives you protection, which is a sealed unit that other things can't get into. You trade that triangle for something else, a different shape called an acute angle. And this is such a problem. You know why? Because now anything can get in. There's a path for anything to get in. And that's what the devil wants to do in your marriage. That's what he wants to do in your relationship. If he can get one of you it doesn't even have to be both. If he can just get one of you to stop keeping God on the throne where he belongs in your marriage, then he knows he can get in. While you're dating, it's the same thing. While you're single, it's the same thing. If he knows that he can get you to stop keeping God on the throne, then he can come in. And let me tell you then what happens. When you don't have defenses? When you don't have walls, when you're not a three-strand cord that is not easily broken, you start doing things like this. You trade 15 years of dedication for 15 minutes of pleasure. I know that's hard, but think about that. Most marriages break up because someone made a choice for 15 minutes. And they trade 50 years, 15 years, 5 years, 5 months, whatever it is. But that's just the ultimate symptom. The cause is because that has happened. And now the enemy can creep in. But guys, I need you to know that when that is full, when that is a complete triangle, a three-strand cord is not easily broken. When God is kept in the right position on the throne, your heart is full. The devil can't do anything about it when he is kept there. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to go back into worship. That was a lot tonight. What are you seeking? I'm single and I just want somebody. Well, what are you actually looking for? Are you looking for the heart? How do you find it? I don't know, but I know the God who will find it for you. Go to Him. And then lastly, how do you keep it? That's how you keep it. You keep Him on the throne that can withstand any storm that this life will bring that can withstand any weapon that comes against it trust me no matter how much of a power couple you are no matter how cute you are if you break that the enemy's coming for you and you won't stand a chance that is your only defense keeping god on the throne weapons are coming bible doesn't ever say that weapons will not form in fact in isaiah 54 chapter verse 17 chapter 54 he says weapons will form the enemy will bring weapons and they will form against you but guess what they shall not prosper do you know why every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn this is the heritage of servants of the lord The last part of that verse is the most important, and it's the part we we speak about and care about least. This is the heritage of servants of the Lord. It's the best part because no one can ever take your heritage from you. They can take your money. They can take your jobs. They can take your pride, but they can never take your heritage from you. That's who you are. So it means if you will be a servant of the Lord, that's a servant model right there. You notice husband is not at the top, wife is not at the top, boyfriend is not at the top, girlfriend is not on the top, you're not at the top, he's at the top. If you will stay a servant of the Lord, then your heritage is that any tongue that comes against you will fall short, that any weapon that forms against you will not prosper. I have spoke to you so long tonight, but all I'm trying to tell you is that if you will make it about him, not about her, not about him not about you then you can find that game over you can get that lifetime commitment that lifetime love because god wants it for you but there's another in that fight there's another in that fire a three strand cord is not easily broken you just gotta keep the beautiful name of jesus christ at the forefront and in the center